If someone is strong enough to bring you down, show them that you're strong enough to get back up. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're covering the story of Karen Widows and Leonard Tilton while I drink my vodka and Pepsi. I don't really drink much soda, but that's what we're doing. Karen Widows was a typical preteen in Wissanoming, Philadelphia. She was full of life and she was very trustworthy. Her mother never had an issue trusting her, even when she was younger. She always said that Karen made very good decisions. You know, if anything, she just worried about the rest of the world because Karen was 13 years old and she was a single mom, so she would work overnight sometimes. So she felt a little uneasy on days when she would leave dance practice and have to walk home. She would always prefer her to walk home with other girls that were also on the team. Karen had no fear at all. I guess typical kid, right? She was dating an older guy. His name was Leonard Tilton and he was 17. He was very sweet and he always showered her with compliments. He always told her how beautiful she was. He always made her feel good. But as time goes on, she does start to see a different side of him, a side that she didn't like. He didn't really like her to have friends or want to hang out and do anything with anyone else other than him. And all she really wanted to do was to be a normal kid. She just wanted to be a normal teenager like everybody else. She wanted to have friends. She wanted to go do things. He got very possessive. And if she made plans without him, he would get upset and tell her, I told you, you need to check with me before you make plans. He always tried to be sweet though. He once gave her a heart locket and on one side in the little heart was his face and on the other side was hers. I think we all remember those. And for the most part, she was happy. But by the time she reached 15, she knew that she had to end this relationship because she just couldn't live like this anymore. She wanted to live her life and be a normal teenager. At first, he seemed totally fine with it. He did not seem to care. So she figured he must have moved on and she started to move on. She started a new relationship with a kid that was actually in her class. His name was Jeremy. She was very happy with him. They were like complete opposites. You had Leonard, who was blonde hair, blue eyes, and then he had Jeremy. He had pretty much black hair, brown eyes, but she liked that he was goofy, just like her. And he let her be her. He didn't care that she had friends, you know? If anything, he'd hang out with all of them. He was just more of what she was looking for at that time. As time goes on and the more serious they seem to get, some weird things start happening at school for Karen. She would find things in her locker and not be sure who gave them to her. She would find little things, either like stuffed animals or random shit and she never really understood how they were getting in there and she couldn't figure out who it would be she thought maybe somebody was mad at her because in one of them it was a teddy bear and then there was a heart drawn on the teddy bear and i don't know for sure if it was like lipstick or paint but it kind of looked like blood i mean it's a heart so I i don't know how you're supposed to take that but it's just the fact that you're in my locker is it's creepy like you need an alarm for your locker she also started getting crank calls and sometimes they would come over and over and over again it got to the point where her mom even switched the phone number and then all of a sudden she would get letters 
But the letters were from Leonard. So that's how she knew probably all this had to be from him. One day after school and after she had dance practice, she meets up with Jeremy so they can study for a class that they have together. They had a test coming up in third period. She grabbed her book out of her backpack so she could look something up and a paper fell out and she doesn't even notice. She's worried about this question and he picks it up and pretty much is like, what the hell is this? Who gave this to you? She's just kind of looking at him like, what? And it was a handwritten note on lined paper and it said, who's the new guy? You can do better i mean of course he's gonna be a little salty like bitch they're talking about me what's wrong with me who who said that you can do better who's telling you this is it a friend you know i'm sure his feelings are hurt and he's a little annoyed and she's dumbfounded though she has absolutely no idea where it came from when it got there or how unfortunately he feels like she's hiding something from him so he gets upset and of course now they're not talking but she did tell him that she thought it might be her ex leonard even though she has no clue how he would be doing all of this. Don't forget, he was older. So it's not like he went to her school or anything. One day, her fears were confirmed as her and Jeremy were talking about the fight they had the other day over the letter. You know, he's apologizing. Maybe I overreacted. And she's like, no, no, you know. And all of a sudden, she hears a familiar voice coming from behind her. It was Leonard. At this point, it had been over a year since they broke up. But he told her that he found her because he wanted to say goodbye to her one last time because he was moving to California. He asked her if he could have one last hug goodbye and she reluctantly gave it to him which of course pissed Jeremy off because he's like now you're hugging up on the man. She was just relieved to know that he's supposedly moving. She she wasn't really that sure (laughs) he was telling the truth. She really wasn't. She didn't know if he was blowing smoke up her ass or like if he was legit moving. But she's like, shit, if he moves, this is good for me. I can have peace of mind. Months later, she started to receive letters from Leonard and they were even postmarked from California and everything. And he was saying that he was happy there, that he met another girl whose name, get this, is Karen. Her same height, her same weight, looked just like her compared to how he's describing her in this letter. And he said that he was planning on proposing to her because she was pregnant. So she's thinking, wow, you know, he sounded really excited to be a dad in these letters. So she's thinking, oh, fucking hell. And he's moved on. Good for him. But even though this all sounds great, she can't shake the feeling that she's still being watched. One day while at the park with Jeremy, she caught a glimpse of a person out of the corner of her eye. And the person was like over by the payphone. And she couldn't stop staring at this person because at one point it really looks like Leonard. But it didn't. Because this person had black hair. Leonard was a blonde. And it had been a year and four months since they broke up. And she's like, is this man really here right now? She's like, there's no way. He's in California. He's blonde. He's about to be a dad. On June 23rd, 1994, it was summer break. So Karen's still in bed. She's sleeping in. Her mom's off at work. And she hears a knock at the door. She gets up, goes answer it. And when she opens the door, it's Leonard standing on her front porch. You guys, his hair is black. She said that he looked evil to her. And right then and there, she was kind of stunned. It appears that he was trying to fix his look so he could look more like the current boyfriend. So I think needless to say, this creeped her out. And she could feel something was off. 
He walks right past her and into her house. And she's standing there like, uh, excuse me. See, that's when I'd have to be like, "Mm mm-mm, turn around. He starts walking around, looking in all of her rooms. He's trying to see if she's alone. And then finally, he asked her, are you the only one here? Where's your mom? She's like, uh, work? And as he's walking from room to room, I'm sure her anxiety is just building. And she tells him, like, look, you gotta leave. You remember the rules. No one's allowed to be in the house when my mom's not home, especially boys. She didn't know what he was up to or what was going on, but she knows she wants him out of there. He tells her that he'll go, but he asks if he could get a glass of water first since he walked there and it's hot out and blah, blah, blah. She tells him, all right, I'll get you the water, but you stay here. I'm gonna go get it for you. Once she's in the kitchen, she calls down to her grandparents' house. They live literally right down the block from them. And she asked them, will you please get here? Leonard showed up and I'm scared. She was terrified. She didn't understand what his purpose was behind all this, but she knew that it wasn't good and she wanted him gone. She knew if her grandmother showed up, he would leave. Of course, he must not have been that far behind because he could overhear her whispering on the phone. So he yelled at her and he's like, fine, I'll just leave. Within minutes, her grandmother is there and she takes a tour around the house, checking every room. She wanted to make sure that he was gone. And she said house is all clear and that she was going to head back to the house. She invited Karen back over, said, why don't you come over? I can make you some breakfast. And really all Karen wanted to do was go back to bed. It's summertime. She just wants to sleep in. But she told her grandma that maybe later on that day, she'll come down and hang out and watch TV or whatnot. She locks the door behind her and she goes back to bed. As she starts to doze off, as she starts to doze off, she's awoken by having her feet being caressed. She looks up and it's Leonard. She screams and yells and she's asking him, how the hell did you get back in? Well, he tells her, I never left. She's like, well, I need you to leave. You have to leave. And he says, fine, I'll go. And he turns around and he's starting to act like he's going to walk out of her room. But then he kind of turns back and says, but before I leave, can I strangle you with this dark smirk on his face? And then he lunges at her and picks her up off of the ground by holding her neck on the wall. Literally her feet are just dangling there. It all happens so quick. She is absolutely terrified. She can't breathe. She can't feel anything in her fingers or her toes, her ears start ringing and then everything goes black. About 30 minutes later she starts to come to and of course she's still foggy but one thing is clear. Leonard is still in the house. This time he tells her I love you but you shouldn't have done what you did and starts to punch her with his closed fist. He told her that his plan would be for them to die together. He told her he was going to murder her and then when she was dead he was going to jump off the Philadelphia bridge. He asked her if she believed in God because he wanted them to spend the rest of eternity in heaven together. Like, I think you're confused, bro. If he really thinks that's where he's going, he needs therapy. He keeps punching her until she loses consciousness again. The next time she wakes up, to her surprise, she is wearing a dress that was hanging in her closet. He tells her that she looks beautiful and that this is the perfect way that he wants to remember her. He then shows her the 14-inch serrated butcher knife and now she is in freak mode. 
Like, uh, at this point, you're probably spewing so much shit that you can't even think of. So, yeah, she's trying to talk him out of it. Telling him, like, you don't have to do this. Please, don't do this. And as soon as she's telling him you don't have to do this, he plunges it in her chest. He then twists the knife while it's in her chest and then pulls it out and blood is just going everywhere. He stabs her again, but this time it felt like the blade went through her back and she could feel it hit the ground underneath her. She said that it felt like he was shattering her ribs and she could just feel herself dying. He kissed her on the lips and then he covered her up with a sheet, put it over her body and then tucked that and put her under her bed with the sheet hiding the body. I I don't know if he thought nobody was going to find that. (laughs) This is crazy. So her mother, Debbie, is about to end her shift at work and she starts to walk out of the building and all of a sudden she said she felt a sharp pain on the right side of her chest that just took her breath away. She had no idea where it came from, but it gave her almost an immediate feeling as if something was wrong. Karen, under the bed, she's still alive. And she decided that she has to go for help. If she's going to live, she's got to fight. She's got to go look for help. She didn't know if Leonard was still in the house or if he had left. Under the bed, she's kind of like scooting on the floor until she could get to about where her, her nightstand was. And while she's doing this, she said that she could hear the blood pumping out of her and she was thinking that he must have gotten her heart. She's able to hit her nightstand just enough times to where she had a cordless phone and it was able to be knocked off and lands right in front of her. So she calls 911. The operator answers and she's telling her, help me, I'm being murdered. But as soon as she said that Leonard must have been not far because she could feel the phone being ripped out of her hand and it was Leonard. He had been in the bathroom cleaning himself up. While they're struggling, she's trying to put pressure on her wounds, but Leonard is fighting her to keep them off of her wounds. He's telling her, just let yourself die, Karen. Just let yourself die. She passes out again. And then the next time when she comes to, she's like, all right, it's now or never because he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me in this house. How in the world this woman was able to stand up, went down the stairs of her house, out on the porch, down the street to her grandparents' house. Soon as she got to their door, she went through it and collapses on the ground. Her grandfather was an army vet, so he went right into action. He got things that would help put the pressure on her wounds, and they knew she was in really bad shape, and they couldn't just wait on the ambulance to get there. She would have been dead. Officer Bobby Walls was the first one on the scene, and he said in all four years of his experience on the job that this was the worst he had ever seen. He said that he actually took this one to heart. He kept trying to talk to her, you know, stay with me, stay with me, see if he could get any information. And she was able to say Leonard. She knew that she had to tell somebody who it was. That was her main goal. Even if she died right after she said Leonard, she felt she had to let people know who did this to her. She wanted him to pay for it. Officer Wall said that he had a sister that was about her age at that time. And he's thinking, oh my God, what if this was my sister? He wanted vengeance. So they started a manhunt. As Debbie's just a few blocks from the house, she can see an ambulance pass by her. And she said she's never seen an ambulance go so fast. And she thought to herself, wow, 
Whoever's in there, I hope they're okay. I hope they live. When she got to her street, she could see that all the neighbors were outside. And now she's thinking, what in the hell is going on? A neighbor and a family friend came up to her and was like, let's go. I'm taking you to the hospital. This is when she realizes that it was her own daughter in that ambulance that flew past her. Do you imagine that? I could not. When she gets there, her parents are already there. Jeremy is there. And they're all just pacing, trying to figure out what could have happened what do we do next is she gonna make it a doctor comes out and talks to Betty and tells her that it's probably gonna be time for everyone to come in and start saying their goodbyes they did not believe that she was gonna make it as time goes on officers are still looking for Leonard they cannot find him anywhere and they're trying to stick around the general area because even officer Wells was like he couldn't have gotten that far all of a sudden a call comes out that Leonard has been spotted to Coney Palmer Bridge when Officer Wells gets there, he's trying to talk to him. And Leonard asks him right away, is she dead? And he's not answering him. So all of a sudden, he makes a move like he's going to jump off the side of this bridge. So without hesitation, Officer Walls leaps after him to stop him from making it over the rail. He wanted him to pay for what he's done. That is craziness. Could you? I don't know. Holy shit. You are literally leaping after someone who's trying to go over. What if they took you with them? As he grabs him and gets him on the ground, he realizes that he had something in his hand. So he takes it out and it was actually a picture of Karen. And this picture was covered in blood. He must have just grabbed it while he was still all bloody. It was clear he was obsessed. And he asked the officer again, is she dead? But this time the officer told him no, she wasn't dead. And he said that he could tell that Leonard wasn't happy with that answer. He really wanted her dead. Karen, to everyone's amazement, pulls through. They had to make an incision and insert a chest tube because she had a collapsed lung. Also the stab wounds, they were an eighth of an inch. Eighth of an inch all the way around her heart. She said it looked like a C. While she was in the hospital, she also learned that while she was unconscious, he raped her. So that was a lot for her to handle. It was just so much. She was in the hospital for months. Instead of attempted murder in any degree, Leonard only faced the charge of rape, aggravated assault, and possession of a weapon. What kind of shit is that? He tried to kill her. Leonard pled guilty to rape and aggravated assault, and he was sentenced to 15 to 40 years in prison. His earliest release would be 2034. She tried to live her best life, you know, in her 20s and 30s, but she was really never able to escape him. Either... It was the letters, poems, dedicated love songs that he was still sending her over the years. I want to know how that's legal, first of all. And the other issue was there was a loophole in the justice system. His first parole hearing was in 2009. And she has to go and state why he deserves to stay where he is. And it's like you're being re-victimized all over again. Once they're eligible for parole, the perpetrator can request a new hearing every year, no matter what the parole board had implemented. So even if they say you are nowhere near able to be able to go back into society the next year they can be like hey let's do this again that's when she decided she was gonna fight back and on june 22nd 2019 she made karen's law this law makes it so they cannot file every year 
This would limit the parole eligibility of criminals convicted of a violent sexual assault. Currently, sexual predators are allowed to go before a parole board once a year after they've completed serving their minimum sentence. Even if the parole board has deemed a criminal unfit to return to society, the criminal has a right to a parole hearing every year. Well, now, thanks to Karen's law... It's now every three years. The bill was signed and passed into law as of Act 124 on November 25th of 2020. Karen's Law is supported by the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Rape, the Pennsylvania Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the Radar Project, the Women's Center of Montgomery County, Women Organizations Against Rape, Pennsylvania Office of Victim Advocate, and countless survivors of violent crime. Therefore, today at the age of 47, Leonard Tilton is still incarcerated. Karen was asked that if and when he is granted parole, if she's afraid for her safety, and I mean, clearly she said yes, I may not be sure of a lot of things, but that gut instinct that I used to feel, with that, I feel stronger than ever. He might have spent an hour trying to murder me. It's not over for him. I also agree. I think for sure, if he's still sending her things, uh, she has something to be worried about. And I hope she keeps all that. And every three years, I'd go up to that hearing. Here's my box of shit. Don't let him out. <laughs> That's real talk. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as I did. Don't forget all the ways you can listen on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. While you're there, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, or give that five-star rating. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook. You can head over to CrimeOverCocktails.com also to listen to the episodes. You can also check out the merch and check out the Patreon page. All right, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.